0: greetings everyone and welcome back to another episode of plan b success we have dylan J with us today from florida now dylan's a successful singer songwriter actor producer entrepreneur and most recently an author he's written a book how to be more confident with women seven easy steps for the genuine guy we're going to focus on that but before that we'll also talk about dylan's journey so far and what he has done he has actually written three scripts thousand plus songs he's got different albums we'll find out all about that so welcome dylan
1: thank you thank you for having me rajiv
0: absolutely so tell us a little bit about yourself you've been there done that quite a bit of work out there
1: i started djing when i was 12 uh, and my dad was like oh that's okay for a hobby that's a good hobby (laughs)
0: <laughs> Little did he
1: know my hobby turned into a profession that he kicked me out of the house for much later in life twenty one I got kicked out of my house because I told him I wanted to be a rapper and he was not really having that It's been weird uh you know I grew up multicultural so it's it's an, it's a very odd uh kind of it's an odd situation it's very unique when you're american born immigrant right 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 when you, when you immigrate here and you have to like uh you know assimilate with the American culture right mm-hmm. So I think that has been the, the the most interesting challenge because a lot of times, too, I get mistaken for black. And so I get treated very racially, ch- you know, charged in a very racially charged way. And, and you know, if you come from a South Asian country, you're already dark skinned and everybody's dark skinned. So nobody gives a shit. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> That's right. Go ahead. Yeah
1: nobody gives a shit. You know, you come here and then, you know, there's light skin, dark skin and people, I mean, of course we have the lighter skin you are, the cooler you are, which is very much, you know, a South Asian cultural thing, but that came from colonization. Anyway, I'm not trying to go too deep into this, but I'm just saying at the end of the day, it's been very interesting. I had to really battle to be an artist. I had to fight and battle and claw. It wasn't the same as if somebody said, I want to be an artist and their parents go here's a guitar. Why don't you practice? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, you know, I found early success in Sri Lanka on accident. The tsunami hit, and I had a song called Jivate, uh, which was based off an Indian song called Lal Laldupata. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a sample of Laldupata, and it became a huge song in Sri Lanka, a number one hit. And during the tsunami, it became the song we used as like a cry for pride and love for our own country, because Jivate means life in Sinhala. Anyway. Sure. With all that said, then many, many years went by where I got to tour and be incredibly famous. I was the number one artist in my country. I won Best Artist in the Country in
2: 2007.
1: Mm -hmm. And then I had uh, the first Billboard charting um, single as a Sri Lankan ever, also in 2007. And then uh, I spoke out against the terrorist group in 2008, which was the LTTE, which almost got me killed for another five years. (laughs) Uh, then I had a number one on MTV's most popular music videos here in America in 2012 and then in 2015 or 16 I decided I'm going to quit rapping I started singing and in 2017 I believe I wrote a book in 2019 it got picked up and now I'm going on tour I have a movie out and a book coming out in
0: 2021 awesome and that's uh that's um Whirlwind well, wind of a career there.
1: Yeah. I think my persistence is what's made it actually come to fruition because I could have quit a long time ago. I have a really good friend. His name is Ranilu, Um And he's like a great singer from Sri Lanka. And uh, he's also great at finance. So when he came here, he was doing finance because he was born in Sri Lanka. And, you know, he didn't have the same kind of like staying power because he got a kid and he got a wife and, you know, he had to do what he had to do to survive, whereas I was fortunate enough to not be in those two situations until, you know, I don't know, actually, I'm not married right now. But, you know, hopefully I'll have a kid soon. But so I was able to rearrange and reorganize my life at a much later age than most people, you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Or a later
1: date. So I've been very fortunate, but I think that you create your fortune, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like what you were talking about with the plan B success. I almost feel like plan B success, like as you say it. Was actually should have been Plan A, but it became Plan B. But it really should have been Plan
0: A. Isn't that kind of what you're saying? It, that's that's what it is. You know, well, you're nobody has a plan. You know, they, we all jump into something or the other. Things happen. Uh, it, it's it's pretty much happenstance in terms of a career or a job or a business, whatever you get into. Then you figure out what you truly love. Then you figure out what you like and don't like. And then Plan B is, you know, there's this whole whole theme around. Have a single plan, then never have a plan B. Burn your bridges and you'll come out successful. I think I think we're beyond that now. You know, people are talking about it's the gig economy. You got to have a side hustle or something. And then, like you said, it, it started off as a hobby, but it it became your mainstream profession. So, yeah. So anything can happen. So that's where plan B comes from.
1: Yeah. You know, I want to speak to that just a little bit, like just your whole, because I like the idea that you've kind of like created here. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this. Even when I was number one artist in Sri Lanka, because Sri Lanka doesn't have royalties, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't making money playing on the radio. I was making money only when I went on tour. I was still working nine to seven Mm
2: -hmm. every
1: single day in our family business, every single day, right? So I did that for many, many years until I finally got enough, aggregated enough personal money to quit my job and start to try to do it on my own. And when I did, I fell flat on my face, lost all my money, had to go back and live with my parents for a couple of years and put it all back together again. But then I can explain something that I think was, speaks to plan B. Then I said, my ex at the time said to me, or my, my girlfriend at the time, my ex now said to me, DeLon, you're really good at real estate. I studied finance and real estate in college, right? And in the family business, I was working in real estate. She says, why don't you consult? And I had not a penny to my name. In fact, I borrowed $4,000 from Sandra. That's where I was at that point. Sold my cars, everything just. And I had raised, I had, in seven years, I made $180,000 saved. Mm-hmm. So you know how hard it is. You and I both know how hard it is to save money in this day and right. age. Right. So that, that was a lot of hard work for me. And I lost it all, you know, doing music, doing this, promoting, you know, trying to be in the American culture when I was already famous in Sri Lanka, you mm-hmm. know? Because I was born here, so I'm like, I wanna be famous and acknowledged as an artist here, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when I lost it all, she told me to do that, so I started consulting. Within, I should you not, within, I wanna say like 10 days, I've made $7,500 consulting. So I got three contracts, each one for $2,000, two for, and the other one for 2500 yeah. something like that. Something at 2465 no, but maybe two, oh, I got it. Yeah, it was all three for 2500 And I thought, oh, there's something here. So I started consulting for a group, got my broker's license, and I had to take a break from music and film. Um, made a lot of money there, invested it, got people to invest in me, started a fund, used that as my plan B, right? Mm-hmm. Built out this fund, with millions of dollars in it, own like a large percentage of it, have my partners running it, and then went back at the music, back at the film, back at the art, my plan A. So I feel like I am always concurrently running a plan A and a plan B.
0: (laughs) You're right. You're absolutely right. And one feeds the other, right?
1: Yeah, one feeds the other (laughs) all the time because I'll tell you what, you should know better than anybody when you interview people, there's some crazy-ass fucking entertainers out there there are mm-hmm. there's some crazy people out there and entertainment has the craziest people on earth so when you're thinking i'm left-handed with your right brain which is the creative side all of your life your ability to reason and be reasonable starts to really go away so for me it's a lot of balance to own a real estate fund to 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 be a part of underwriting uh, business you know those types of businesses and have own my own businesses that are not entertainment based because they keep my left and right brain balanced as a person. So I, I like plan A and B running concurrently personally.
0: So let's let's talk about that, right? So when you had to go back and and you know you really had to you know go back to starting that fund or uh, get into something that for one thing you were forcing yourself into because you said, okay, I, I need to find some stability, I need to find something that's gonna bring in the money. So how do how was that process and how did it all happen? And how much did you depend on yourself and how much did you delegate?
1: Okay, so this is what happened. It wasn't so much that I felt like I had to do it. It was more like I never again wanted to be in a situation where I had no money. Right. So a lot of people when they come here as immigrants like my dad did, they truly have nothing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we as first generation Americans, we have a lot. We're gifted. We're the kids of immigrants who work their asses off, right? Right. So we are either born in a lower middle class family or a middle class family, typically, right? Mm-hmm. And through our lives, they, our parents maybe get more rich or may get to a point and then peel off, or mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've never been in a situation where I truly had nothing when I was born. Even though we'd sleep head to toe, the four of us on one bed, we weren't, we weren't like poor. We weren't living in, you know, we were in we all. You know what I'm saying? We're definitely middle class. You know, and slowly my dad made more money. So when I lost all my money, half of me just wanted to see what it felt like to not have any money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and What kind of being would I be when I was broke out and poor? Right? So I realized I'm really the same guy. My friend even told me. He's like, DeLon, you have absolutely nothing to your name and you still laugh and have a good time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're richer than everybody, everybody around you. And that's when I realized that my happiness isn't derived from money. My happiness is derived from my passions, from singing and from writing movies and writing books and teaching people and talking to people like you. I enjoy people. I really do. Um, so with that said, um, to give you kind of like a a, I can tell you the story. So basically what happened was I was working for a broker, okay? Mm-hmm. Like a real estate broker. Now I'm, I'm not a real estate stockbroker. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in. I'm in real estate. Like I'm not a real estate broker. I was, but I, you know, at the time I was not either. I found that he was doing these things called. Um, I forgot the name of them. Oh man, it's been so long. He was doing this type of thing where people can invest in real estate passively. Mm-hmm. It's not a REIT, but it's very similar to it. And what I noticed he was doing was. He was paying people monthly, right? And he was collecting $25,000 a pop for investors. And uh, he was charging acquisitions fees, disposition fees, management fees. So basically they would buy – are you familiar with real estate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would buy um, a building at like an eight cap mm-hmm. and they'd sell it to the investor at like a six. And they take that spread in between. Mm-hmm. And that's messed up for what, a $15 million building at an eight cap to a six cap make, means they make three and a half million dollars just like that within, mm-hmm. within 35, 40 days, which it, they sucked all the profit out of the building, just like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. I didn't think that was fair. So I decided I have a better idea. I'll start a fund that does a 10% ROI mm-hmm. uh, paid monthly and everything above 10, my company keeps. But we'll keep you at a 10 no management fees no acquisition fees no disposition fees right mm-hmm. and so people really liked the idea of my fund and they saw me making money so they invested in it and i guess that's how it started awesome yeah.
0: so you know one thing i'm curious about is you know uh, you went back to sri lanka you did so well there and you could have still continued um kind of, you know, building your career there. Did that uh, ever occur to you or you did not want to do that consciously?
1: I consciously chose not to do that um, for lots of reasons. One, I was truly the best rapper from that country for lots of reasons. One, I freestyle rapped with gangsters in Crenshaw when I learned how to do hip hop. I'm actually a freestyle artist. I have an American accent and I'm from America. So anybody who's Sri Lankan, Tamil or singular, who grow up in Sri Lanka will never have the same swag or flow level that I do. Right. You know right. what I mean? Let me close this door actually. I'm gonna Yeah. Like very simply, I could go, um, never ever be another better for cheddar, weathered with suede leathers, baby blue, cardigan sweaters. I keep the game hot like hand glocks, for reddis and keep my skills moving like postal letters. Or uh, or an East Coast vibe uh, flows venomous rap better, but on a top flow boss. You still in your tenement thing closes heaven sent. Like they're never going to really know those, those words, you know, this vernacular is so American, you know what I mean? So when I got there, I was already mostly better than everybody already, just because of my accent and my ability to spit words. So a, there's no challenge, right? When you're doing that, when you're doing something, you want to challenge B, there's no money. If you're from India, there I think they have royalties in India. So if mm-hmm. your music's they playing, do. yeah. So if your music's playing on the radio, you're rich. If my music had the royalties it was supposed to get over the last ten years, I wouldn't. I'd be kicking back on a beach right now. Mm-hmm. I have music playing on the radio right now in Sri Lanka, and no money to receive from it.
0: What about what about uh, the Sinhalese uh, rap? Did you do that? That was that the song that you uh, talked about, Jivite.
1: Yeah, so Jivite was a hook. Some, uh, I had a girl sing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I never really la- rapped in singola because my singola is good, but not rapability wise <laughs> It's like I speak Spanish fluently, but when I rap in Spanish,
0: why mm, not, you know? What about the movie scene there in Sri Lanka?
1: Yeah, so you remember the movie Lagan? Yeah. So we have a version of that movie called Singhava Hava Lokana. So I play the main actor in that film. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I love doing film there. But once again, it's, I don't find it very challenging because I was born here. So mm-hmm. when I look at a good actor, I'm looking at Matthew McConaughey or you know, um, Leonardo DiCaprio. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When I got there and I had to audition for Sing Hava I got there and everyone's speaking Singola, right? They're doing their auditions in Singola. And because my Singola isn't tight like theirs, I did my audition in English. Mm-hmm. I did my audition in English and, and nobody, nobody thought I can act, okay? Because I'm like an American coming into this, this art, this very small group of artists, right? Our film, our film um, uh, community is, is pretty small in Sri Lanka. And I did my thing, and after that, every single person said to me, oh, my God, your acting is incredible, you know? And I got the lead role, and, you know, and that was my first film in Sri Lanka, right? And when was this? This was 2010, 11. Okay. And I've always wanted to be an actor, but um, acting has been the most natural skill. So this is an interesting thing. Acting has been by far the most natural skill I have. Rapping took a lot of work. Ten years, singing took a lot of work, and I still have more work to do there. Um, real estate is just—you know—real estate's just a business. You know, it's like you yeah. have to learn that. It's not—you know—I mean, but um, writing books, a lot of work, because when you write a book, the style, your diction, the verbiage, your. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's hard. It's, these are things you have to learn writing a film. Oh my God. That's about the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Seriously. I'm still struggling. We got a movie that we're doing right now that I actually owe somebody a rewrite on. Where the hell did that go? Oh, it's somewhere around here.
0: So you said three scripts, right? So which ones are those?
1: Uh, so we have crossing over. We have uh, you can do it. And then I have a TV show called align. Um, and then there's a, there's one more, but I haven't seen it in a while. Um, it was an action film that I had to write. Um, so th- they'll all get done. they'll all get done. It's just I've been quite busy this this
0: last two years. And what are um, these? Are, are these uh, movies for the us Yeah, they're all u.S. films, yeah. yeah. okay. And, so, yeah, go um, ahead. Go ahead. Now I was going to ask, uh, have you written anything for Sri Lanka?: No. Okay.
1: So, so in fact, believe it or not, Rajiv, there's a movie they wrote about me called King of Salon um, about when I spoke out against uh, the terrorist group, the LTTE, because they actually did try to kill me. I got death threats. I had protection from my government. It was a pretty serious serious scenario that happened there. And when was this? Uh,
0: 2008.
1: Hmm. Okay. So I got harassed during when I was shooting my film in 2010. I was still getting harassed by like ex LTTE members or, you know, like factions of the LTTE. And so the guys on the film crew seen my phone blowing up, like in single and Tamil saying, we're going to fucking find you. We're going to kill you. So I had to, I had, to, <laughs> I always had to have protection in Sri Lanka for a while because you don't know if someone's going to come up to you and shake your hand or come up to you and stab you. Like that's the kind of terrorist group we're talking about here. You know, it's pretty, pretty scary stuff.
0: Are you still doing anything in Sri Lanka or uh, pretty much propagating your career there or not so much now?
1: Not so much, not so much. Um, I think the best way to make Sri Lanka more visible in the public eye is to flourish and prosper here. Now, we've had some great people already flourish and prosper here that aren't Sri Lankan but are Indian like Mindy Kaling, Aziz Ansari, Kal Penn, you know, all these like really great moving on up, moving on up. So uh, we had Jay Sean and music like, you know, we, so I got to keep pushing that line. You know, I don't consider Sri Lankans and Indians that different in my yeah,
0: opinion. Yeah, you're right.
1: I, I consider us like one whole group. And if we can be considered and respected as, as a race, I would be happy about that. Cause growing up, I was picked on a lot and I don't think that's fair. You mm-hmm. know, back when I was a kid, it was like every Indian worked at seven 11, you know, it's like, come on, man. Now every Indian's a doctor or an engineer, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, but for an Indian to be an entertainer, is like a joke, you know? So there has to be people who change that idea about it, you know? Yeah. So you- I feel like I'm more important here than I am there.
0: Right. And I think it's happening now with so many people kind of getting into that entertainment scene. So where did the books come about? How did you end up writing these books
1: Yeah, so the book came about on accident. I was on tour, and a guy that I met while I was out on tour asked me, how do I go up and talk to anybody all the time? And I I was with my ex at the time, and I told her to voice record this conversation because I thought it was going to be interesting. And I broke him down all the rules of walking up to people, like all the rules. Mm -hmm. And it's not anything secret. It's very simple, but – You know, um, in the book I talk about, you know, your intention with your approach, you know, how to, uh, uh, what's the second chapter is, um, watch and learn how to know your environment to know who actually wants to talk to you and who doesn't touch and go chapter three or step three, which is, you know, when you meet someone, don't hang around for so long, meet someone, say hello and be on your way. Uh, that's chapter three. Chapter four is, um, you know, I suck at my own book because I don't remember it.
0: Um, hold on, let me see. Did you self-publish it or was it through a publisher?
1: No, it's published through Morgan James Publishing. It's a New York publishing house. Um, let's see. How to be more confident. So it's currently available on Barnes and & Noble's and on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so if it was a self-published thing, I wouldn't have done it probably, to be honest with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because, you know, I already have so many projects. I'm not interested in starting another one. So, step four was the hierarchy, power, and numbers. And that's like how to use people and groups to make yourself look even bigger than who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, step five is diversify your wrist. I talked about meeting more than one person in an evening. And when you meet people in my book, you don't hit on them. You meet them as friends, just by the way. Mm -hmm. So this this isn't a this isn't like a tactic to go hit on chicks. So step one is always the most important: the approach. What's your intention? Your intention should be to become someone's friend, to add, uh, you know, honest and integ like um, uh, communication that has integrity, right? Mm -hmm. It's not to go up to her and ask her for a number, wonder if she's gonna fuck you. Like that's not what this book's about, right? And -hmm. it's actually not how I approach any woman or man pretty much most of my life. You understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's what Diversify Risk is. Uh, step seven is build your network, which has to do with going out and finding the things you love and becoming parts of those things, because that's the best place to find girls who actually like the same things you like. And step seven is knowing what you're looking for. So then I talk about like the importance of shared reality, um, the importance of similar intelligence. Uh, I, ta- I talk about a diamond structure, basically. And in Mm -hmm. the diamond structure i talk about how with men looks is always the number one thing they look at and then sex belief system success shared interest and energy level just seem to all smash together at the bottom Mm
2: -hmm. whereas
1: i turn the the triangle from this way to this way and i say the things that people should look at is finding someone who's similar in intelligence shared interest energy level and belief system and belief system not being god but like do I yell at my kids? Do I argue with you now? Do I go to sleep on an argument? Those types of belief systems. Then sex, then looks, and at the very bottom is success because with the right partner, you'll always find success. Mm-hmm. So those are the seven steps to the book, and I broke all that down in an audio, and then I got it, it subscri- like transcribed on Scribby.com, and then I started breaking that down into a book, and he's like, bro, this is great information to write a book, so then I wrote a book. And then That's I wasn't. I wasn't going to do shit with it, to be honest with you, but then we took it to some publishers and a female read it and she's like, man, I've never read a book that a male wrote that wasn't a sleazy piece of shit book about hitting on chicks. I love this book. Can we publish it? So that's how we
0: ended up here today. So this you said is your second book, right? You had one before this Oh, this is your very first one. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So. So what do you think, uh, you you know, you've done so much. uh, So what are your future plans? Where where are you going to go with this?
1: Yeah, so we have to make a movie this year. So after I finish the script, um, so we already, it's already to budgeting and scheduling. We're like, um, I'd say we're about 75, 80%, not done with the script, but done with revisions of the script. We already have the development funding for that. So we have to shoot that movie. I have about 70 to 100 shows to do this year on tour. So my first 20 shows start in April or May. So I have to do that. Um, I have this book that I want to make successful. So I have a bunch of book tour events that I need to do this year. And then uh, I have a drink that I'm putting out, which is called uh, – it's an herbal energy shot, which next time we talk, which I think we should talk in like a month. Um, I'll show you that one. And also awesome. welcome- so that's the future It's just to focus on the present.
0: <laughs> awesome. You got, you got your hands busy.
1: Yeah, I'm really busy. I'm really, really busy.
0: So for people who want to reach out or who want to find out more about, let's say, your, your real estate business or some of these other creative ventures that you're doing, how do they find you and how do they reach out to interact?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think the best way to interact with me is just go to Instagram and DM me. I don't have Instagram on my phone, so don't take it personal when I don't answer. But I check it like every four days, you know, for messages and mm-hmm. requests on messages. Um, I think if you go to delonj.com and you leave a message there, I'm so easy to reach. It's really not that hard to reach me. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, those are the two best ways. I mean, I'm on TikTok. I'm on social media. It's like not that hard to find me. Also, if you just Google my name, Delon J, you'll see like all the stuff I've done. You could just click right there, Instagram.
0: Awesome. So Delon, uh, this has been very enlightening learning about you, you know, your journey so far, your future plans and all. Before I let you go, one takeaway for the listeners, anything that you'd like to share from your life and experiences that they can use to their benefit?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. For all of you who want to be successful in life, the number one thing is to keep doing the thing that you want to be successful at, which means that if you want to fly planes, you'd have to fly planes a lot to be good at it. If you want to be a great artist, you'd have to write a lot of songs and perform a lot of songs a lot. I would say that's step number one. Step number two, never give a shit what people think about you or what you're creating. Forget about them. They don't see the same vision as you see. As long as you keep creating it, don't listen to others. Just continue to do your job. Your job is what you're trying to do. Every day people go to work eight to five, so they usually get good at their job. If you did your plan B as many hours as you did your plan A, you'd be excellent at your plan B. So the doingness of your job, not the theory, the doingness of your job is A number one important. The ability to not listen and allow people to invalidate or evaluate your work is also step two of your ability to be successful because a lot of people skew off in a different directions when they say, hey, Dilan, I think I like your rap, but I think you should rap about girls or I think you should do this here. Man, fuck them. Who cares about them? And then the last thing is, is watch well, it. Those are the two things and you'll find your success in time. You awesome.
0: Will. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We wish you the very best as you get started with 2021 and all your projects and uh, hope to keep in touch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks Rajiv. It was a pleasure meeting you.
0: Same here. Thank you.
1: All right, brother. Peace.